0: Well, to reiterate, um, I, Nancy and I, we're, we're going to be, be at the camp. It'll be fun. Uh, I, I will be making my way back, and um, so will Jamie. He may or may not know that yet. Jamie's coming, our, our new director of worship arts. He is coming, potentially could be here next Sunday in town, and then he'll start actually the last Sunday uh, of the month, which will be family camp. So he and I will be back here along with anybody else that happens to show up, and we're all going to be together. So know that if you can't make it out to family camp, please come worship with us on Sunday. We'll be doing it in two different locations, but I think we'll be able to manage, okay? Let me pray and ask for God's blessing over our time as we open up his word. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you have given us your word. We can learn who you are. We understand your love for us and who we are in relationship to you, and I pray that you would speak through me. I have nothing to say, God, but you have everything to say. I pray that you would use me in the time that I've invested in this message, Lord God, to bring uh, encouragement, challenge to your people, to build them up, Lord God, but to glorify your name. That is why we're here. It's This morning, there's an audience of one, and that is you, and we pray that you'd be honored and pleased in our time together, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, we are studying the book of Psalms. That's what we kind of, for the summer, that's what we set out to do, and I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to your table of contents. Uh, the Psalms are in the Old Testament. They're about the middle part of your Bible, roughly. But if you open up your table of contents, and you will find the book of Psalms about halfway down, and whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible, that'll get you to Psalm 1. I'm going to ask you to start at Psalm 13. We're going to hit a couple, actually three different psalms this morning, but they're, they're all the same genre. They're the same type of psalm. And, and I, I'm excited to, to share this with you uh, for the reason that these psalms that we're going to go over this morning, I, I want you to think of it almost as if they're God's secret weapon. And when I say secret, I don't mean that he's been hiding them. I just don't think that we really understand these Psalms that we're about to read and the purpose that they serve. And the the purpose that they serve are to address and to deal with a common everyday human affliction. And that is, my friends, disappointment. We can all share stories where we've been disappointed, maybe in a surface way and a kind of, of, of an easy going way wasn't that big a deal kind of rolled off my back and you know I just went to the next day or I went to the next week or whatever but there's other kinds of disappointments that linger and they hurt more and if if disappointment stays around too long do you know what it turns into it turns into depression so disappointment is kind of just a feeling of yeah it didn't go the way I wanted right wow I can't believe that happened or that didn't happen and it just you kind of muddle along but if you stay there then you become depressed and depression kind of weighs you down and it changes you 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 lose energy you lose focus and if you stay there too long you go to despair and despair is an existence in which there seemingly is no hope at all it is a hopeless existence and you just kind of give up and you're a shell of yourself. And we've all had those experiences. Some of us right now are in the, are in the point, you're in, you're in that spot of disappointment right now. Or maybe you're, you're realizing, I, I think I'm past it. I, I, I really think I might be depressed. And then some of you are here and maybe it's just like, you know what? I really, I'm hopeless. I'm a shell of myself. What do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Well, I can tell you how some people respond to it and, and you might know some of them. They respond with cynicism and skepticism and anger towards God and they walk away from the faith. I'm thinking of one person right now who's had a hard life and they've walked away from God. They're angry at God. You can see it. Even when you come around them, you begin to have a conversation with them. There's just an edge to them because they've not been able to get out. They they were disappointed for reasons I fully understand but it lingered into depression. And that stayed long enough to now they they really just are hopeless and they live kind of this this angry um, life. And it's sad, it's heartbreaking to see that. And the question is, does God give us something by which we can handle that, by which we can fight against that and protect ourselves from despair? And I have good news, he does. And to find out exactly what that is, we are going to turn to Psalm 13. And I'm going to read a Psalm 13, we're going to jump to Psalm 22. I'm going to read some aspects of Psalm 22. And then we're going to spend most of our time in Psalm 77. But let me, let me take you to Psalm 13. And, and the, the idea for this morning is I want us to understand this secret weapon. But more importantly, I want us to understand how do we use it? And again, you might need it right now. Or you might think, hey, I'm kind of, I'm on a good spot. Ah, wonderful. I'm very happy for you. But don't mistake me for the Grim Reaper. Life is broken, my friend, you you, you will not stay there. There will be disappointment in your life. It's sure to happen. And so do we have something, a a tool, a weapon by which to address disappointment when it comes so it doesn't go all the way to despair? So we're We're not a shell of ourselves, so we don't live this hopeless existence. Well, let's look at Psalm 13 and I'm just going to read. And what I want you to listen for in these two Psalms that I read in Psalm 13 and Psalm 22 is I want you to listen for four components of these Psalms that make them what they are. And we're gonna talk about each one of the components, but I want you to just listen and see if there's something that you kinda hear that seems to be repeated that maybe you catch your ear. And, And I'll be very specific in a moment, so in case you miss them, don't panic. But let's start with Psalm 13. This is David, David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. That puts him up there pretty well. And listen to David in a moment of whether it's disappointment, depression, or despair. He says, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Can you ever imagine saying to God, listen to me? How long will you forget me? These are the words of David. So now turn to Psalm 22, just a few pages over, or if you have your Bible apps open, just a swipe or two maybe. Psalm 22. We're going to read not all of it, but I want to read verses 1 through 5 and and a few others. Listen to verses 1 through 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. Skip down to verse 19. But you, Lord, don't be far away my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers. I will praise you in the congregation. You who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him for he has not despised or detested the torment of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give you praise in the great congregation. Because of you, I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. Now turn to Psalm 77. And this is where we're gonna spend some time. What I just read have you ever said those things to God? Have you ever wanted to say those things to God? Have you ever felt like I can't, but I want to? Have you ever said them in your head, but thought I didn't say them aloud? Right now, do you wanna say these things to God? Do you wanna let him have it? You know, it's, it's amazing that these words are in the, the inspired word of God, that God has given us these words for a reason, it's his secret weapon. And what I just read to you, and I certainly have not read all of them, there's, there's others in here in this altar, these are the Psalms of Lament. There's 150 Psalms, about a third of them are Psalms of Lament. And a lament is a passionate expression of pain, of anger, of hurt, of sorrow, of confusion, of fear that are dire- that's directed towards God. And we've all felt them, we've all wanted to say them and God has them codified, God has them in the scripture for us to use them because this world's broken and disappointment comes easy. And some of you right now are are disappointed or maybe even you're, you're depressed because of a diagnosis. And you're thinking, God, what gives? Why me? Why now? Why him? Why her? Or maybe that job that you worked so hard to be promoted and that to excel and somebody else got that position and you're just angry. And you know that God is sovereign, and there's this tension between God's sovereignty and his promises and your painful life, your frustration, your disappointment, and there's a tension that exists there. My friends, God has given us these psalms of lament. They're in the Bible, and they are to protect us from despair. They are to protect us from getting to that place where we are a shell of ourselves and where we have given up all hope. I was always drawn and have been drawn to these Psalms and I I found a book, it's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And I started reading it last summer. And it was very helpful for me in understanding these Psalms so much uh, better and deeper than I ever had before. Again, I'll, I'll say the title, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And it has helped to shape my understanding of the Psalms of Lament. It certainly is, is helping me to um, prepare this message and to, and to share it at a level and in a way that I think will engage you, or so I hope and have prayed to do so. Let me give you a couple quotes from the book, and there's many I could give you. Let me give you two of them. The first one, and I believe it's worth writing down, is that the author writes that lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. And that's exactly, that's God's secret weapon, right? Because there's pain in life. And yet we have the promises of God. And, and, and there's sometimes there's a huge gap there. And, and, and what bridges that gap? How do we get from the pain that we're in that leads us to the, to the disappointment and the depression and the despair? How do we get back over on the side of being okay with the promises of God? You see, there's, there's an inherent tension between these two. There's an inherent tension between pain and promise. And when disappointment comes, we, we tend to, run to one extreme or the other. And as I mentioned before, and some of you know, there's some people who run to pain and they hang on to it. And they justify why they're angry and why they hurt. And and you look and you go, yeah, I I can understand that. That really has hurt. And they sit there and, and that pain festers and it grows. And they don't get better. They get angry, they get hardened. So you can run to pain, and you can hang on to pain. And some of you right now are hanging on to pain. It, it almost becomes your identity. It becomes the motivation by which you live, and everything becomes done out of anger. But there's the other side. There are the Pollyannas. There are the Christians who are supposed to run to promises and say, I I can't let disappointment enter my life. Uh, I'm gonna trust God's promises and you deny the pain in your life. And that won't help you either. That doesn't get you through and out of the disappointment and the depression and the despair. It just doesn't. But what will and what can are these amazing psalms of lament. Now, second quote I wanna share with you is, the author says that lament is how Christians grieve. And what I like about that is that we're all going to grieve. We're all going to suffer loss and we're going to grieve and grieving is a good thing. We don't, we don't want to bottle up. We just don't want to do that. Guys, I will put my grief record up against anybody in this room. And what I mean by that I don't say that virtuously. Please don't hear it that way. I have suffered a lot of loss in my life and I bottled it up because dudes don't cry. And, I, and I've, I've bought, Duke cries, but you're not a dude. All right, so, no. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Duke and I are friends. That was dysfunctional love right there, a ex- little expression <laughs> of dysfunctional love, okay? That's how guys love each other. I digress. We hold it in because we wanna look tough, because we're looking past it to other things. We don't want others to worry. And so it bottles up inside of us and, and, and it just it festers and it grows. And yet we grieve. We just don't let it out. We just don't let anybody see. But here's what's different about Christian grief. Paul actually in First Thessalonians says it this way. He says, as Christians, he goes, we don't grieve like the others, he says, because we have a hope. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about those who die in Christ will be raised to life and to live eternally with God. And what he's saying to the Christians is he's saying, when when your brothers and your sisters and your your mother and your father and your sons and your daughters, when they die, we we grieve that. We don't ignore it. We don't deny it. But we grieve with hope because we know of what is to come. And, and, And that's how Christians grieve. We grieve through the Psalms of lament, Because in there is hope. And we're gonna to come to that in just a moment as we break down Psalm 77. But, but please hear me. We do grieve and we need to grieve. Jesus wept, he grieved. The last thing I'll say about it before we get to Psalm 77 is what's, what makes the, the Psalms of lament powerful and, and really the purpose for which we're given them is that the Psalms of Lament, what they do is they give words to our painful feelings and they give us a pathway out of disappointment, depression and despair. And we're going to see that. And and I hope you picked up on just a little bit as I read Psalm 13, as I read Psalm 22, as you kind of picked up on that that pathway, the four uh, components that we're going to go over in just a minute. I hope you heard them. Because I have found it, and and I hope when you read with me those words of David and Asaph, as they were expressing their emotion, you're like, wow, that's harsh. Oh, oh, but you want to say those same words too. And when you're given the words by which to express the pain, it's helpful. And we'll look at that a little bit more but there's also the pathway. We're gonna go through the pathway, but we're gonna use Psalm 77 to do that. Here's my question for you before we hit Psalm 77, and that is, how are you handling the gap? To the Christ followers in the room, how are you handling the gap between you know God's promises, he's a good God, he's a sovereign God, and your painful life? Whether it's chronic pain, relational pain, vocational pain, your children, whatever it might be, how are you handling the gap? Because that question really needs to be answered and how it's answered will really dictate the quality of your life because disappointment is here to stay. Life is imperfect. We are broken. So with that in mind, let's look at Psalm 77, okay? Hopefully you're there i'm going to point out the four elements of the psalm of lament god's weapon for us and the pathway you'll see is within these four elements the first one is how do we express our pain and sorrow what is the first kind of step if you will it is to turn to god listen to Asaph as he turns to God in Psalm 77 verse one, he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. You can just see me say, I'm not sleeping. I am praying, I am seeking, I'm having trouble and I'm seeking, I am turning and I'm crying out to God. Verse and he I, and I, and says, and I refuse to be comforted. So, so the first element of a healthy psalm of lament is we turn to God. Now we all have a choice of where to turn. When, whenever something befalls us, whatever, like whenever disappointment starts to come in and, and it, it wants to take up residence, Satan uses disappointment to get in, to discourage us, to rob us of our joy, to steal God of his glory. That's what he does. And we feel it. And I'll just put myself personally in this and there are times when I have felt the sting of disappointment and I don't initially turn to God. I try to distract myself with something else. You know people that have turned to other things. They, they've, they've turned, like I said before, they turned to cynicism. Uh, they turn to anger. Uh, they turn to drugs or to drinking or, or they throw themselves into work before they ever considered turning to God. But my friends, what is inescapable, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, and I, and I think, and I'm really mindful of those in this room and those who are listening online who are not followers of Jesus. And I, and I really wonder, with all sincerity, I really wonder, and I remember what it was like for me when I wasn't a follower, what do you do with disappointment and what do you do with depression and what do you do when it becomes full-on despair and you're just hopeless what do you do who do you turn to how do you get out of that do you just hope that somehow your circumstances magically change but what if they don't what if it gets worse how do you manage life like that and I'm drawn to what Peter says, and Peter has spoken for all of us in so many different ways to some, at so many different times to Jesus, but Jesus just kind of lays the track down here what it means to follow him. And people start turning away from him. They're like, okay, that's too much for me. Good night, ladies and gentlemen, I'm out of here. And Peter says to Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 68. Well, let me back up verse 67. Therefore, Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. My friends, Jesus has the words of eternal life. The disappointment and the depression and the despair from something that has happened to you that has ravaged your world. Whether you like it or not, the way out is through God. It's through turning to Jesus. He, and he alone is the only one who has the words of eternal life, who can can give you what you need to understand life in light of the disappointment. Jesus has the words of eternal life. And so we see here, Asaph turns to God, notice, that he turns to God. And and inherent in each one of these psalms is it's, it's prayer. You're talking to God. You're not coming to God and bringing him some memorized mantra. You're bringing your raw words that express how you feel to him. We've read them. I mean, could you say it any differently than what we just read that would communicate any more really to God how you really feel? I guess you could throw a few curse words in there. I wouldn't suggest that. I think you can express yourself without them. And if you think them, he'll hear them. But the idea is the first component to a healthy Psalm of lament is we must turn to God in prayer with our raw words. And that leads us to the second component that I hope you heard, and that is that we express with our words the pain and sorrow in our lives. Verses three through 10, we continue. Asaph says, I think of God, I groan. I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. In other words, it's not working. He says, you have kept me from closing my eyes. I'm troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. He's he's reminiscing, I remember what it was once like and it's not like that. At night, I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. He's just wondering why, when is this gonna change? How long am I gonna have to be like this? Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So I say I am grieved that the right hand of the most high has changed. You notice that Asaph doesn't hold back. And I think that's what we need to do. When, when, when we're really trying to turn to God, we then express our, our pain and our anger. We, we need to express that, but in the right way. I mean, let it out, give it up, don't hold back. David didn't, Asaph didn't. Amanda after God's own heart didn't, should we? No, let it go. Let, but, but do it in the right way. And this may take some time. It's not like you can just do this one time. This might take some time if you just having to really just unload that emotion that you have, but let it out in the right way. Now, when I say the right way, that means there's a wrong way to do this, right? What's the wrong way? Well, let me give you just two ways and the corollary to those. And we've all been here when you're mad at God and you think you deserve. Mm. That's an easy place to get to. God, I've been doing this. I've been honoring you here. I've been obeying you there. Fix it. I'm angry at you. I mean, you think about that, woo, right? But yet we have and you, and you can read it in the words. We have that strong sense that there is anger. But how do we express anger up towards God, about God's plan and purpose for our life? How do we express anger? We do it humbly. We don't hide the fact that we're angry. We just say to God, God, I'm really angry. And I know I'm not supposed to be. I know you have a plan and purpose for life. I know you're sovereign. And I know that, that your word tells me that everything that happens to me, you want to use for a grand purpose in my life, but I'm angry. Help me with my anger. You see, you can express it that way. That's the right way. The wrong way is to think that God owes you something. To think that you're right this time. A second way that we can um, come to him and and express our our pain and sorrow in the wrong way is when we complain just for the sake of complaining. When we just come and say, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. And we walk away. Get some rest. Next day we come back, blah, 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 blah. We're just complaining. We're just angry. It's not the right way to do it the right way to do it is to express that. Blah, 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 blah. But God, I'm doing this because I'm I'm being led through by your word to give up my expressions of, of pain and of sorrow because I know that I need to offload those. I know I need to let go of those. I know I need to lay those in your lap because God, the purpose is bigger than me merely just complaining. I want to be healthy again. I want to be right with you. I, I, I want to be able to face what I'm going to face in a way that honor, honors you and glorifies you. I, and I know that getting this off my chest is something that has to happen. And so we, we do that with purpose. We want to exhaust our disappointment and our, dis, our depression and our despair. And we exhaust it by just continually come back to God. But there's a purpose in mind. There's something beyond merely just complaining. And as you do this, as you share these raw words that that are guided even in some places by scripture, I think they they say them better than we could say ourselves. As you do this, you get a sense that God understands because it's in God's word and he's given us God's word so we can understand God, understand ourselves. And if these words are there, and we can say them, and we can, we can emote in that way, and God's okay with that. When we're doing it the right way, we, we get a sense that he really does understand, and he really does care. And it, those, those really are there as his secret weapon so that we're not stuck with whatever painful and hard life we're facing. He gives us an outlet. But then, after we've turned to him, after we've expressed our pain and sorrow, and you saw this in the other Psalms we read, it's not so evident in this Psalm. We then, thirdly, we ask God for help. The Psalmist kind of does this, Asaph does this when he says, verse two, I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. The implication is that he's coming and he's asking God help me. We, We certainly saw that in Psalm 13, we saw it in Psalm 22. The third component in this this pathway out of disappointment and, and depression and despair is that we ask God for help. You see, there comes a point in time where you have expressed your emotions as much as you can, as thoroughly as you can. And that's by design. And here's what's really amazing about how the Psalms of Lament work. you start to see glimmers of hope. And the hope is in the form of asking God for help. You see, what's starting to change, what's starting to turn is you've gotten the anger out, you've gotten the hurt out, you've gotten the pain out. And the spirit of God does something miraculous in that process that you then begin to realize I need help and I turn to the one that I was originally angry at. And the Psalm of Lament, the Spirit of God inside of you is, is, is doing a work inside of you, and you begin to ask him, God, help me to face what is bringing me pain and sorrow. Help me to face it. Give me courage to face it. Give me the steadfastness to honor you in the midst of it. And so you start to see that when you start asking for God, it begins to signify and kind of identify that the lament is working. God's Spirit is having His way in your life. And that brings us full circle to the last and to the real turning point in all of this. Look at verses 11 through 20. Listen to Asaph. He's he's expressed his frustration. Well, he's turned to God. He's expressed his frustration. We know he's asking for help. What does this result in at some point? Verse 11, he says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God. You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the people's. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. He's talking about the people of Israel. The waters you saw, he's now referring to, he's making a reference to the Exodus, to when God saved his people out of Israel and they went through the sea. He says, the waters saw you, God. The waters saw you, they trembled, even... The depths shook, the clouds poured down water, the storm clouds thundered, your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lightning lit up the world, the earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the great waters. By your footprints, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He's recalling God's faithfulness And specifically, he's recalling God's faithfulness when he raised up Moses and Aaron, he says, let my people go to Pharaoh and he sets them free as they leave Egypt and go back to the promised land. And this is the fourth component of a healthy psalm of lament is you begin now to turn a corner and this is where faith has to prevail over feeling. And hopefully that's been the case, right? Hopefully you've expressed yourself enough and you've, 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 you've here it is God and the and, and spirit of God's worked inside of you while you've done that. And then you begin to ask God for help because you, you're, you're starting to turn, your heart's starting to turn back towards God and then to really completely turn the corner is to say, I will trust you now. I will remember back to your faithfulness both personally and in my life, I'll remember to, in these 66 books of the Bible, how faithful you were to the people of God. And I will let that become my guide. I will not let my feelings take me to and fro. I will let, I will let what I know to be true. My faith will now triumph over my feelings. And I love the fact that, that Asaph, especially in verse 20, uh, l- listen to the, to the shepherd speak here. He says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God cares. He always has cared. And, and he starts this song being frustrated, crying out, help me. You've forgotten me. How long are you gonna forget me? And, and, and then there's a change, there's a turn where the spirit of God's doing its work. He's doing his work. And now becomes seeing God for who he really is all of a sudden, why is this happening to me, is replaced with, who is God? He's a faithful God. By the hand, he took my people out of Egypt as a shepherd. He did that. Now, for us, you can't help but make the parallel or the connection that Jesus said... In John chapter 10, verse 11, listen to this shepherd language that that Asaph has here in Psalm 77, that Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God has always been a shepherd. He sent us Jesus who leads us by the hand, out of disappointment, out of depression, and out of despair, and how did he do that? He laid his life down. I don't know if you recall, did did anything in Psalm 22 perk your ears? Where else might you have heard the verse one of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where else did you hear that on the cross? Jesus lamented, on the cross, Jesus went through the pathway of lament. He, he turned to God in the garden. Do you remember the, the night he was gonna be crucified? He, he leaves and he goes to the garden and he prays. And, he, and he, what does he do? He goes to God and he asks God as well, right? So he turns to God, he asks God, he says, if this cup can pass, may it pass. In other words, Father, if there's another way, please, may we go that way. And then he expressed his emotion on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He limits, but he trusts God in the end. he says, what? Not my will, but your will. And that delivered Jesus to the cross, through the cross, in the grave, and out of the grave. We have that right before us. We have this secret weapon of God. And it's by faith in the word of God, by faith in God himself and the spirit of God inside of us, we look back on God's past. We look at what he's done in our lives, both personally and what he's done here. And then we move forward trusting him in the way that Jesus did because we've gone through the pathway of lament. We've pulled the secret weapon off the shelf and we get out and we rise above that which our enemy and adversary seeks to destroy and to devour in us. It's the message of Christ. It's the message that he came and he died for us and for our sins so that, so that the judgment of God would be absorbed by Him and not by us. And to when we put our faith and trust in Him, we're made right, we're forgiven, we become children of God and we are eternally forever secure with Him. Now, real quick before I finish this, I wanna just a little gospel sidebar if I can say it that way for a minute, that the message of Jesus and what He's done and how He's lived and what life is all about in Christ. Let me just a little sidebar here for a moment because I think it's really important that we remember this. We are in unprecedented times, at least as best as I can remember. Where it is really easy today to choose sides. The middle ground is gone. The ability to agree to disagree, it's gone, right? You're, you're either on one side or this side. Uh, that could be a political party, that could be LGBTQ, that could be pro-life, pro-choice. There, there's no middle ground anymore. It, it, it's all one side or the other. And what we have to be really, really careful about as the church, as the people of God, is we do not choose sides. Or I should say, we do not look at other people as if they're on the other side. Because what happens when we do that, and and you can see it coming out, and and we have to be really careful it doesn't come out on us, is that we can become self-righteous. And as these sides have implications in our lives, and as things happen, and as we become fearful and worrisome about what how. How's that going to play out in my life? When we fear like that, we run to the side even more and we start lobbying in bombs on the other side. My friends, Jesus said, he, he said, I've come to seek and save the lost. So as much as we need to stand up for, our, for what is right and what honors God, we, we need to stand up for that. As Christ follows, we need to be emboldened and have courage to stand up and speak the truth and live the truth out but we've got to do it humbly. We cannot do it self-righteously. And other people who, who you believe are wrong and who are, who are not following the word of God, we can't just lump them into the other side. Jesus came for them. And we need Jesus as much as they need Jesus. And if we ever lose sight of that, we no longer become the church. We become just another group, another side, that's just going to, defend its turf and not worry about anybody else. But my friends, that is not the church. And we need the Psalms of lament to get us out of our funk so we can be the church, okay? So my challenge for you this week is work the pathway. Work the pathway of a past painful disappointment or an uncertain future that you're fearful of work the pathway i've given you three psalms 13 22 and 77 work them so that you don't let disappointment become depression and depression become despair and you become a shell of yourself for the glory of god let me pray father thank you so much for this incredible weapon you've given us to be the people of god god i pray that we would be mindful and 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 take to heart your word lord And I pray as we continue to worship that we will do so remembering that there is an audience of one here. May we worship you. May we adore you. May we praise you for who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.